yesterday morning I got up um, and, uh, you know, my uh, daughter, oldest daughter, has her driver's permit thing, whatever you call it. So, you know, um, kind of wanted to wait until we got this brand new car because it all has all these safety features because we're going to get her another car that I have those similar safety features. So I've been taking her and when letting her drive to school with me being in the passenger seat. How many of you know that's nervous right there? I'm like, you know, I don't think Joe Lord is coming in September, but I sure wish he was, you know. But um, so I've been doing that this week. Get up, let her drive, get up, let her drive. And then I got up yesterday morning and uh, I was like, what is this? And I kept sensing um, an accident. You know, I just kept sensing it and it bothered me. And, uh, you know, sometimes you pick up on these things. You ever seen in a military movie, you know, you have a war machine or airplane coming in the distance and the radar is picking it up, but they're having difficulty making out exactly what it is. And that computer will send it through a little dictionary and you'll see the changing and they're like, oh, this is what it is as it gets closer. So I wasn't, all I was picking up was, was accident. I didn't know that my wife was also picking up the same thing and was going to say something to me. But when I told Mariah, I said, Mariah, I said, uh, you're not going to drive today. I'm going to drive. And she said, uh, she said, is everything OK? You know, she saw this concerned look out of my face. I said, yeah, I said, I just feel funny. And I said, whenever I have this feeling, uh, something bad is getting ready to happen. And I was picking it up, which could have been true. I was picking it up more about something going on in the nation. I just got this strange feeling, this suppressed feeling. So, you know, nevertheless, I, you know, I took her to school, drove her to school, came back home. And then a uh, gentleman called me on the phone, last person I was expecting to call me, um, uh, someone who um, is very interesting. You have to be very careful. This individual has made a mistake concerning the path that he walks on. And he's still on that wrong path. But this person has an extremely strong gifting, extremely strong gifting. He has been wrong with it, but he's been more right than wrong. Um, and so this individual called me at the clear blue and I was like, oh, wow. I didn't know I still had this person's name on my phone number. And so the person called me and uh, I could tell that they were a little bit nervous, you know, to call somebody, me. And, uh, and they just told me, they said, hey, you know, I'm just calling you. It's praying the Lord told me that, that uh, you're supposed to start praying about accidents. Now, this is, this, this is all in the same day. And so I was, uh, and this kind of goes in with the prophetic word that Lisa gave. You know, he said, the Lord told me to start praying about accidents. And so, oh, okay. And, when, you know, you can't be vague with me. You know, pray about accidents. I'm thinking, you know, the terrorist attacks, our airplane crash. You know, I'm not thinking this as blood. And so I said, accidents? And he said, yeah, you're supposed to pray about accidents. He kept saying it over and over again. I said, well... I said, is there any more detail that the Lord gave me? I don't like vague prayers. You know, give me some specific stuff. And, he's, and, and maybe he didn't want to scare me or something, but he said, well, he said, the Lord wants, then he got specific. He said, the Lord wants you to pray against a demonic plot against your life. He said, I saw you in an ambulance being carried to the hospital. And it was as a result of a demonic plot that the enemy had worked in through a crack. And then the Lord said that he wants you to fast in prayer in order to break it. So in regards to things like that, you never have to be afraid. Some people will freak out. Oh, my God, something is after me. You know, it's something always after you, y'all, every single day. But, but, but the benefit that we have with the helper 
is that is that as this is why the Bible says no weapon that is formed against you will prosper. It didn't say no weapon that is brought against you. It says when it's formed, we will give you the ability to shut it down. So when Satan has a meeting in his headquarters and says, "Okay, we must do some type of disruption with this man, his family, his ministry, his people. We must do something. What plan can we come up with? And, and Satan is a master at orchestration. When I tell you, read Job and see how that dude created four different scenarios on the same day at the same time. Every scenario, everyone got killed except one individual and they all walked up to Abraham back. That is the most unreal thing I have ever seen. That lets me know just how much creative ability this individual has left unchecked. So there are things that will be formed against you to try to bring you down. And if you are walking with God. And if you are walking in humility, because the typical preacher would have not received it from this particular guy because of what this guy did. God is a master at sometimes giving you a word through somebody that did you wrong. When we moved to Atlanta, okay, and I did not have the money on that day for the moving truck. She was already on the road headed down south. You know, my sister drove up, who lives here, she drove up. And, and brought all of my family members down except for my son. I'm packing and don't have to move the money for the moving truck. And it was an uncle who had done me wrong that showed up and gave me the $1,600 for the moving truck. So you have to be very, very careful because it, it, it's, it's, the Lord does these things to teach you how to lose yourself and to be nothing. Everything in him, nothing. Okay? Um, nothing by yourself. And so, so I just shared those things because because your laziness will prevent you from seeing that type of stuff. Your lack of timeliness will cause you to not see that stuff. Your disobedience in certain areas of the world will cause you to miss that stuff. You have somebody that is looking for an opportunity. Every crack, every window that might be unlocked, every door that is partially open. Can we come through a hole in the roof? Can we wait on them in the car? This dude is relentless. And then it's always been like this. But in this season, he is coming after the ones who dare take a stand as the darkness close in. And the worst thing that you can ever do, I keep saying this, the worst thing that you can ever do is lower your value in the kingdom of God. As long as you think you are a nobody, you will always have an enemy that will shut your life down. Because if you think you are a nobody, you won't be expecting a large enemy to be in your life to shut you down. Because you're expecting a little demon to be chasing around. You don't think anybody is chasing you around because you have such a low value of yourself. Okay. So I'm just encouraging, you know, we, I'm, I'm shifting. And it's been a little bit difficult with my emotions, you know, but I'm pretty much, pretty much uh, there now. You know, it's still easy. You know, Jesus said, my burden is light. My, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, he said, come unto me all you that are heavy laden and I will give you rest. So when you're on the right path, it's easy. Watch it that. When you're on the right path, it's peace, it's restful, it's light. When you're on the wrong path, you're stressed out. You know, but just know that, that when, as we start going into these different type of things, we have learned how to handle darkness with ease. When you learn how to handle darkness with ease, then what happens is, is that they then have to reinforce themselves and come against you in a, in a very, very difficult way. So, <clears throat> you know, I don't even know where I was going with all this. I was just talking. You know, you had them family talks. But I'm just telling you, you don't have to be sensitive to the Lord every single day. Pastor, 
as a pastor, you ever, you ever became friends with somebody and they start sending you spiritual texts that are just unwanted? You know? So, you know, that's why I'm careful what Facebook pages I like and stuff. I want to hear all your information. This man. But he sent me one today that was pretty good. And he said, he said, you complaining about your inability to hear from God with your Bible clothes is that you complaining about the fact that you don't receive text while your phone is off. And and that's that's part of the frustration that sometimes I'm dealing with as a pastor is individuals who are lazy when it comes to their spiritual life. Your laziness always makes you go down. Then when they hit the bottom, it's I need all of the saints to pray for me. I need this and I do that and I need this and I need that. Then you do that and they come back up and then they go back into the laziness again. It's this cycle that you plan. And we have all done it. What do you say? Yeah. And so it's it's uh, I mean, we've all done it. But you got to get to the point you all where you break that you break it. OK. You know, this person is not here. So I share this. I'm just showing you how you have to what we have to tell people sometimes is, you know, um, I was just ministering to someone here recently. And, and it's something happening in her life. And I was just like, I just can't find myself to get the strength to come to church and boom, boom. And, 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 and it's a bad thing when God starts talking about one of his sons or daughters to me. You know, it's amazing because, you know what? The, when God begins to trust you to keep your mouth closed and have the right attitude, he will actually vent about his people to you. You see this with Moses. God vented to Moses. God was like, I ain't got nobody to vent to. How many of you know sometimes you just need to be able to vent? God was like, I don't have anybody to uh, 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 um, vent to. But Moses, the Bible says, he was the meekest man in the entire planet. Okay, And there are things that when you walk in meekness and humility, God will share certain things with you he will never share with anybody else. And so, you know, the Lord started complaining about this individual. I'm just like, is that you, Lord? I mean, it's just... You know, and his complaint was, is that his, the laziness with my saints. Now, the person will say, I just can't find the strength to come to church, but they find the strength to go to the job, find the strength to go to school, find the strength to go shopping. You find the strength to take kids to all of our sporting events and all of those things. But then when it comes to God, who's blessing us and protecting us from stuff seen and unseen, I just can't find the strength. No, we are allowing ourselves to be lazy. We are allowing ourselves to be low level. We are allowing ourselves to do stuff raggedy when it comes to the kingdom of God. And the revelation that you're going to have to get more and more, and the Lord has been hammering me with this, is that, is that, y'all, I don't have a church. This is not my church. People are going to say it's my church. It is not my church. This is not my church. When you see me standing up here, it's a, I'm a representative of someone that is invisible that has given me instructions. So whatever you do concerning Lionheart Church, you are doing this to the Lord Jesus Christ Church. He is the pastor. He just has no physical body to manifest himself in every single day. So he has to use somebody else with a physical body that has his presence. And I need you to follow my instructions. So whatever you do, you know, there's a scripture I had to mention to somebody. I don't even know why I'm on this path. It said, it says, you know, and you know, I don't think I have any first-time visitors or anything. I might, but and you know, I'm not normally a person that says this type of stuff. But there's a scripture in the Bible that says, "Obey those who have the rule over you and submit to them, for they watch for your souls. If they have to do it concerning you and you bring them grief, it will be unprofitable for you." So the degree that you bring grief to the house 
will be the degree that you will lose your profit. Because you're not bringing grief to me, you're bringing grief to the Lord. That's why the scripture says that you can grieve. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And one of the ways that we grieve the Holy Spirit is we just keep doing the same old raggedy stuff over and over and over and over again. While at this, on the right hand, on the left hand, we're doing raggedy stuff. While with our hand over, Lord, give me everything. Give me my big old house. Give me my car. Give me my jewelry. Give me my mate. Give me my, and then we want to treat the things of God raggedy. Okay. And the thing is, is that God won't beat you up about it. That's the sad part. Always remember this. God will be real slow to remind you of something that's already written down. <clears throat> so, I'm telling you, where are we going? You know, people for years, I want to see your, we got them so, I want to see your glory, Lord. No, you don't. Moses was the meekest man on the entire planet. And when he asked to see God's glory, he said, you can't handle it. I'll just walk past you and show you my butt. That's what it says. My wife is looking at me like, you are just so ghetto and out of order. You'll read it. He said, you can't handle that. It'll kill you. He said, I'll walk past you. I'll open up my clothes and I'll let you look at my backside because that's all you can handle. You can only handle the lowest part of me. The rest would kill you. And that's the meekest man in the entire planet. So when we're asking for stuff, the Lord is going to start pulling you in that direction, but he's not going to take you from page one to page 200. Okay? Page 96 might be where your blessing is at, but they got to work you through the other pages. But in the body of Christ, we want to go from page one to 96 like that. Doesn't work that way because page 96 will kill you. You know what? I've learned how even prosperity changes your mind. See, as long as I was driving an older vehicle, my mind would work a particular way. Now that I got a new one, it's amazing the things that come to your mind. All of a sudden, now you think about getting carjacked. See, people ask for prosperity, but if your mind is not in the right place, prosperity will drive you crazy. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm thinking about contract, you know. Now, all of a sudden, you know, I'm, before, I just pull in any parking spot, especially I'm driving my man. Any parking spot now, man, we circle the parking lot three, four times. <laughs> prosperity makes you lose your mind. And if your mind is not in the right place, God will bless you with something and it will drive you crazy. Okay. All right, let's go ahead and jump into this. You can go ahead and. And record. And this is and and speak. It's just funny how we're talking about about, you know, this, because this is very, 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 very important. You know, I'll start out by saying this is that, you know, we're talking about emotions today. And to give you an understanding of that, um, anybody that's close to me knows that. And don't take this personal if you have this dog. I personally hate pit bulls. I just do. Um. I, there, there's nothing about the dog that I like. It doesn't matter if it's a cute pit bull, a mean pit bull, a baby pit bull, a pit bull that is on a walker. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I just, uh, there's nothing about the dog I like. I hate those dogs. And I know that's a strong word. I'm just letting you know. I'm just being honest with you. And, and I'm being honest with you about something because this goes into the message. There's nothing wrong with the dog. If you do study on pit bulls, they're actually considered one of the best dogs to have as a pet. Um, especially for children, because it will guard the family's life with its own. Um, even you remember from the days of uh, the little rascals, you know, the little pit bull. With the, you know, so pit bulls actually have been considered some of the safest dogs to have. But that truth does not matter in my life because I had two bad experiences with pit bulls. 
uh, one I had to kill with my firearm. And those two experiences programmed me in such a way where my emotions will not let me be comfortable around a pit bull. And so that's what we're talking about today is things in the past, but uh, this is one of the most important messages concerning sex, soul ties, transferred spirits, is our past programming um, has been wrong for the most part. And you get angry over things that you shouldn't get angry over. You get sad over things that you shouldn't get sad over. You are predisposed to falling into certain type of sins because of that past programming. There are things that you are afraid of. There are people who would be married by now if it wasn't for that past programming. There are people who would have never gotten a divorce if it wasn't for that past programming. There are marriages that instead of being on a level two would be on a level eight if it wasn't for that past programming. And, 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 and reprogramming yourself, and, and, and most people don't know this, most people just know that we have issues. How many of you will agree that you have issues? And, and you feel bad about those issues, but you are also programmed with pride concerning those issues. So the issues that you have, you don't like to talk about. Somebody bring it to your attention, you just look at them and pretend like you don't have an issue. A husband can tell your wife, you need to work on this, and she'll just look at him like he's crazy. A wife will tell her husband, you do know you need to do this over here, and he'll act like she doesn't know what you're talking about, what she's talking about. Okay? So, you know, uh, one of the biggest things um, that govern your decisions is how you feel and how you feel comes from your emotions. Um, you should, uh, you know, I walk at this particular park in Kennesaw, and when I'm at that park, there are a lot of people that are walking their dogs. You know, I see, the, and, they're, and they, they're walking in my direction, so I walk past and I see the little cute dogs, and, and I smile, oh, nice little cute, cutie, 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 little dog, and, and you know, great Danes, and, and everything is fine, and until I see somebody coming with a pit bull. My whole disposition changes. My heart rate increases. My whole emotional disposition just goes into this sour look. And I actually look at the dog mean, and I look at the owner mean for having a dog. And how many of you know that's an issue right there? Right. You know? Yeah, matter of fact, I just remember something. I was over their house one time, and I didn't know they had pit bulls. First time I went to their house, they got two big pit bulls. And, um, and um, I was sitting in his kitchen, and I looked out there in the backyard, and I don't remember what I said, but they'll, they'll tell you, yeah, he, he didn't appreciate the fact that we had them pit bulls. You know, in the marriage, I tried to have the nerve to try to bring them in the house. I was like, oh, no. I think my kids will be or something. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Don't take me back to the movie. Set it off. So, but that wasn't their problem. It wasn't their problem. It was mine. And there are even people who have personal problems that when you interact with them, you leave thinking you have a problem. When actually you didn't, they had a problem. And so, you know, if you feel neglected, um, uh, you're going to look for someone or something to fulfill that neglect. If you feel lonely, you're going to want to get rid of that loneliness through new relationships. Most people on the planet have no idea how their emotions work. And so forces are having their way with you through puppet strings attached to your emotions. This is a huge soul tie. This is the biggest soul tie that you will ever deal with is the soul tie to your past programming based on the environment that you lived in. And that environment has made all of us crazy to one degree or another. Here's the unfortunate part. You might feel neglected, 
but you aren't neglected. Mm. You feel neglected. You think you're neglected. And so you seek out something that you're not supposed to have. You become entangled with someone you're not supposed to become entangled with because you're trying to fulfill something that really is not there. You really aren't neglected. Much like when you are dehydrated, you think you're hungry. So you eat and you eat and you eat trying to satisfy something that's not going to satisfy it. You're not going to feel satisfied with food because you're actually hungry I and mean, you're actually thirsty. You're dehydrated. Your body needs water to be fulfilled and to feel better. So you go after food. So this is how we do with relationships. We feel neglected. We think we're neglected. We think we're lonely. We feel lonely. And so we seek after things. We seek after people. We seek after activities to fulfill that hole that was not meant for anything but God. Not meant for anything but his word, not meant anything but the relationship that you need to have with him, where you can become a whole individual because there are areas of your life that are broken. Areas from your childhood, through your teenage years, through even your young adult years, or through your adult years, you're broken, or there's some brokenness there that needs to be repaired. You're trying to fulfill it with something that's not meant to fulfill. And you were, you know, you can turn to Romans 12 too for a moment or look on the screen. The thing is for you to understand about your emotions is that God engineered them and created them to be programmed. And, and while they were being programmed, you didn't know that they were being programmed. You know, Romans 12, 2, you read it. I know the scripture by heart, but just in case. <laughs> Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Notice in the first part, it says, don't be conformed to this world, but it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What you look at and what you listen to and what you experience houses itself in your mind. And after a few times, it makes a permanent stamp on your mind. And then it transforms you into whatever that situation was. Now, you can retransform yourself. That's why he said, don't be conformed to the world. But this is where you are, is that you are who you are, not because of what God created you to be. You are what you are pretty much because of your past programming. So you'll get somebody who says, well, you know, you know, that, I mean, you know, some people, I've, I've met women who wear this as a badge of authority. Well, you know, you know, that's just how I am. I just go off on men sometimes. No, that's not how you were created to be. God makes and engineers and creates no woman to come up to go off on men. You were programmed that way based on your past environment. And the program stuck. And now, no matter, whenever you get in that same situation, this is what comes out. And this is the thing, is that you can program uh, where did I mount here? You can program a thermostat to turn on a machine in certain atmospheres. You can actually program animals to do certain things under certain conditions. You can program a phone or a TV to turn off, on and off at a certain time. And most of us have been programmed to act a fool. Let me, I wrote down a couple of examples. You just jump in. You want something? Okay, go ahead. So, for example, as a child, I grew up in an extremely, extremely um, abusive environment. Extremely abusive environment. So when it came to conflict, as a result of my environment and things that happened, I did not learn a healthy way to resolve issues. What I saw was you get upset, you cuss each other out, you beat each other's brains out. And nothing gets resolved, that's just what we do. So as a child, I lived in this constant fear of, okay, they're arguing, about to tear the house up, I'm going to hear her screaming, Lorana, go open the door and get help, and I'm going to try to go to the door, I can't get out, I'm going to go in my room and hide and huddle with my brother. So you grow up with that, and you go through your teenage years, and you become an adult, 
and you then encounter your own conflict. In your heart, you want to be different. You don't want to fight. You don't want to cuss. You don't want to try to beat somebody's brains out, but it's in you. You're programmed to handle it this way. This is what we do. This is, what, this is how I do it. This is what I saw. It didn't work, and I don't want to be this way, but as soon as you try to talk cross to me and try to get nasty with me, I will cuss you out. I'm little, so I can't fight you. If I'm afraid, I'm coming at you. So unfortunately, I didn't want to be this way, but this is how I found a way to try to resolve my issues and try to fight back because I was afraid. So no, I can't fight you, but my words will cut you down so low you will never touch me again. You won't try to, you won't try to hurt me because I will cut you so bad. I will cut you to shreds. So my mouth was bad. I mean, like a sword, like a dagger, like a knife. I mean, just cut you down to the ground. So, so finally, I'll go on with these dysfunctional relationships. I meet this one guy, I guess, figure, you know, well, I'm bad, too. I got a dysfunctional background, too, so we're going to end up fighting. So when it comes to the point of a physical altercation, that's when I knew, okay, this has got to go. I can't live like this. I can't be with you. I can't be with, I can't live like this. This is what I saw. I don't want this. It's not healthy for me. I think I might lose it and actually kill you because I'm little. If I'm backed into a corner and I'm afraid, I might snap. And that's when I knew, okay, this is, not, this is not healthy. And so you can get saved and not have these issues resolved in your life. You get back into a corner and it comes out and you think, am I saved? I shouldn't be so angry. I shouldn't want to kill this person. I shouldn't respond this way. But you have to overcome these things and you don't overcome them by willpower. It's a great thing that you've gotten saved, but you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to be praying daily and you have to be in the word. You have to be transformed by the word, not willpower. And you have to be in the word daily. You need to confess the word over you and you have to meditate on the word day and night. In order to be successful, you've got to meditate take the word day and night. And so you have these issues from your past, these things you must overcome. And you think in your mind, I want to be different, so therefore I will. No, you won't. The things that you were programmed to be is what you will do. Unless you on purpose be disciplined and not lazy, it's not enough to recognize you need to change. It's not enough to recognize you have issues. You have to on purpose, systematically, discipline, be in the word, and then on purpose make adjustments. On purpose. It's not going to happen by happenstance or by accident. You have to do it on purpose to be a different kind of person than what your environment produced. And, and let me show you how, how I'm going to use her as an example about how the past programming will cause her emotions to react depending on which role she's on. So the past programming, you know, uh, now, let's, I, I, these are just two scenarios. Past programming, she gets saved, and now... She expects things to be different automatically. Marries a guy, and now the, the more they get in an argument, and the more he begins to show signals of stuff that she's seen in the past, the more she begins to have the same feeling of the past programming. And even though she's born again, yeah. she begins to go into that mode of the past programming because it seems like he's getting ready to do what I saw back then. Then it can be a flip side. And that is, she can be not born again, and she can marry a guy who has a gentle spirit, and now when she gets into, in, in, uh, into it with him, now the past programming wants her to get violent. Now, because he does not get violent, she'll say, you're not even a man. See how the past programming messes you up? Depending on the road that you go down. And that's why without Christ, you, you, <laughs> you messed up. And that's, that's, that's what's going on. Let me give you a couple more examples, because I got a... I got a we wrote a 
examples down. And, 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 and we did not, you know, this all came yesterday, you know. Part of this came to me and I was writing part and the Holy Spirit was just talking to me and I was just writing, I was just writing. And let me give you an example of how some of these examples will show what happened to you. The Lord, Holy Spirit will start bringing things to remembrance. You have a child, and as a child, when something was promised and not given, <clears throat> you went into an emotional hole. Now, some children, they did tantrums, you know, but you go into an emotional hole. You ask, can I go to such and such, such birthday party? And your parents told you no. And then what happens is, is that you then storm off and you go into an emotional hole and you soak for hours. Soak, S-U-L-K. Sound like I was saying soak. And you soak for hours. Well, left unchecked, you're being programmed that when you don't have your way, fall into depression for hours. Never even realized it. This is where this stuff comes from. That's why in our household, okay, you know, I mean, I've seen this many times and, and I've done it too and her. And, and, you know, I know some of y'all are new school parents and I don't believe in telling my child no. Mm-hmm, you programming them. That, this, that's a cuss word. You don't believe in telling them no. Man, we'd be sitting in the bedroom, and, and one of them kids would say, you know, can I have a, a, a muffin? And my wife would say, well, didn't you just have a piece of cake? Yes. Well, no, you can't have a muffin. <laughs> now, see, you let that go. But you programming them. This one? Get your behind, Get back, your behind back over here. When I tell you no, that doesn't mean that you walk around with an attitude. There are some things are yes, some things are no. You already had a piece of cake. So adjust your attitude because you can't just eat sweets. And then she would explain. You eat certain foods for certain health. That food is not good. We let y'all have some orange soda every once in a while with the pizza. You can't drink orange soda for breakfast. So guess what now? You're programming the child. That when they're told no, don't walk around with no attitude. So now when they get married and the husband tells them no, it won't be an issue. Might be a little bit disappointed, but they're not going to go and go on a shopping spree because they're so depressed. They're not going to turn to food because they're upset. Or talk behind her husband's back to her girlfriend. You know, girl, that's my money. I, I got a job. This is my money. What are you talking about? I can't go to shop. This is my money. Okay. And let me say this. This is it's, it's, it's sobering. It's going to make you feel a little funny, but it's going to be extremely liberating. Because let me tell you this. There's not a person in this room that's not crazy. And I don't mean the room down there. I'm talking about every four walls, including this area up here. <laughs> Preachers like to preach messages for y'all. <laughs> no, you in the number two, son. Okay. As a child, you will program how to argue by watching your parents argue. Now, I want you to imagine this. She came from the background that she came from. I came from a background where the worst thing I ever saw my father do was tell my mom, I should pop you up the side of the head with this Bible. That's the worst thing I ever saw my father do. So guess what? I'm programmed to have an atmosphere of peace even in the midst of disagreement. So now when I married her, she's programmed to see plates flying and folk being shot and, and, and all Blood that stuff. And Blood and stuff torn up. Okay, so now, so now we have a disagreement and, and, and she's programmed to run 100 miles an hour. Okay, slice and dice. Be prepared. Throw this out there. Wait for what he has to say. Bam. So she's throwing this stuff out here, and I'm just as calm. And now the calmness is frustrating her. Because I always remember this. Your past programming, however you were programmed in the past, 
Anything that takes you away from that program is going to make you uncomfortable, whether it's right or wrong. You are programmed to feel a particular way in a certain environment. And any environment that changes outside of that past programming is going to make you feel like you're crazy. This is the reason why when couples get married, they want to tear each other's hair out sometimes for the first year. Because he had past programming, she had past programming. Now you got to introduce new programming. And anytime you introduce new programming, it can be very, very frustrating. How many of you ever downloaded a piece of software or an app and it was taking too long? You were just getting impatient the longer this thing took. That's, how, what, that's what new programming is. While you're being downloaded into, you get extremely impatient. Ain't this thing done over yet? I gave you three tries. I forgave you four times already. Let's look at the next one. Hold on. So, so you're going to have conflict. You, when you're mayor, when you're dealing with two people, you're going to have conflict. No two people think alike. You're going to have conflict and disagreements. It is not fair that when you have a disagreement, your emotions get a little heightened, then if you now try to then chop the person down. No this excuse. is your love, your husband, your wife. You don't then, I want to try to inflict pain on purpose because you're mad. That's immature. You have an attitude, you're mad, and now you want to inflict pain with your words. That's not the way to resolve your issues. You go to the word, you're calm, you step away for a moment if you have to. Don't leave the home, I don't think that's a good idea. But if you need to step away, step away until you all can come back calmly and then talk about why there is a disagreement, why there's an adjustment that needs to be made. Because when you put those words out there, mm -hmm. like when I was a kid, they would say sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Yes, they will. And once those words are out there, once they're out there, you can say, I'm sorry, all you want to. They're out there. And then you, you tell the person, I'm sorry, you make love, you make up. But those words are there. The enemy is on purpose going to make sure that he remembers that you said he was nothing, that he was not a good provider, that he was not a good lover, that he was not kind, he was not sweet, he was a terrible father. He's going to make sure. When you tell her you big, you small, you too skinny, you too ugly, you too this, your cooking, is, your cooking is terrible. When you put those words out there, you can apologize, but you can't bring those words back. So in that moment of conflict, you cannot allow yourself to be used by the enemy to tear down God's man or tear down God's woman, to tear down God's daughter or son, because you can't bring those words back. And, you know, I was... I grabbed her arm, but then I didn't, I didn't want her to lose her thought. That's why I backed off. Um, you know, this is very, very important. And that is, you know, if you saw, as a lady, if you saw your mother cut your father down and then he bended himself to her will because of that, guess what's programmed in you? That when you get a man, what you do is you cut him down. And that'll make him bend. Well, unfortunately, you might marry a man that doesn't bend when you cut him down. So now you're more mad. Okay? If you were married to a man and you saw that man, if you married to a man, if you had a father in your household that disrespected your mother whenever they got into it, that's in you. You know what? I, I, I'll use this example. You know, and I'm not saying you have, let me just use the example. Um, what is the example? It escaped me for a moment. I have never, ever had an issue with telling my wife where I am going, where I am at, and when I'm coming back home. 
I do it just as clear as you. I just do it with just Predictable. as easy as somebody. Wait a minute. I ain't mean, doing all that. That's not, that's not a bad thing. That's example. not a bad thing. I'm saying that you do it from the day one. No, no. It's systematic. I don't ever have to ask. He always tells me. You know what I read? Never mind. That stupid movie we were watching. Oh. Programming. <laughs> it's a seed movie. Um, never had an issue. I can tell my wife where I'm going and, and have the same piece as if somebody asked me, give me $100. No matter, I tell my wife where I'm going, she calls me. Anybody that's been talking with me, they will tell you that sometimes my phone will ring and I was like, who is, oh, this is my wife. Let me go ahead and answer this. I mean, so I have no problem. You want to know the main reason I have, don't have a problem with that? It's not because I'm just such a good, excellent man, even though I am a good, excellent man, according to my wife. Thank you, Jesus. I'm trying every single day. <laughs> you know why I do that? Past programming. That's what my father did. My father never left the home, ever. Not one single time without telling his wife and his children where he was going, how many places he was going, and approximately what time he was coming back. If he was late, this is before cell phones, he would stop by the payphone and say, hey, I made an extra stop. I should be home by 3.30. I watched him do that. So as I'm watching him do that, it did not matter if it was right or wrong, honorable or unhonorable. I'm being programmed. So when I get married, nobody has to tell me, yeah, when you leave out the house, man, you need to let your family know where to go. Well, that's just common sense to me. I'm programmed. Versus, let's flip, flip this. And I'm in a household where daddy always leaves and never, we don't even know he's gone. He just leaves. Where daddy at? Oh, he left a half an hour ago. You get used to that. You're programmed, programmed, programmed. You know, you, you call daddy. He don't answer the cell phone. He just shows up later on. Program, program, program. Now when you get married... And you love this beautiful woman, and all she does is says, where are you going? Instantly, you have been taken outside the parameters of your past programming. And even though she asks you where you are going, and even though you love her, the first, love her, the first thing that pops in your mind is, why are you asking me where I'm going? That's my business. You know why? Not because you're a bad man. That's what you saw with the program. Now, let's flip it. I get saved at 18. And... My conversion happened. It was really supernatural. I was listening to my father talking to you know, relatives about the things in his past and things that he had done and, and how the Lord saved him and just you know how he was now preaching and sharing the gospel with other people. And I sat there at 18. I'm listening to the story. I walk away, and I'm alone, and I'm crying. I'm like, Lord, if you can use my father and all the bad things that he's done, you know, what if I give my life to you right now at 18? I commit myself to you and live for you. you know, how could you, you know, use me and, and bless people? And so I give my life to the Lord at 18. So I'm I'm on a fast track. I got to find out about Jesus and the word. I got to be in the word. I got to read books. I got to learn. I got to learn. And so I'm in the word, in the word, in the word. This book, that book, this one. I mean, I am at the Christian bookstore. I mean, I'm 18. I'm working. I'm spending all my money trying to grow and learn. My father sending me books. We in the word, doing Bible study from California to Michigan. So I'm growing. I'm 18. I want to get married. I want to find out what is marriage all about. I don't have an example. I don't have an earthly example. I don't I have any idea what this is like, but I know what I see in the word. So, we get married, and with all my heart, the Bible talks about a submissive wife, and I want to be a submissive wife, I want to be a good wife, and, and kind, and sweet, and loving, and be supportive, and, and be everything the Bible says I'm supposed to be. We're going to do everything together, I'm going to change my last name, we're going to you know, join our, our, our insurance accounts, and our bank accounts, everything. And so I want this with all my heart, we get back from the honeymoon, and now this is that Monday. 
And now we're in that process. You know, we're changing the bank accounts over and the insurance and Social Security office. And I'm feeling a little weird. I mean, because I've been Miss Independent. I mean, I've been living at home, but I've been doing everything on my own since I was 16. I've got my own car, I've got my own job, my own money. And now, now I have to ask somebody. And now we have to do it together. And, and yeah, we both work and we share an account now. And can I, you know, should we have an allowance to have? I mean, normally I didn't have to spend money. I mean, I didn't have to ask to spend money. I would just spend it. However, whenever. So I wanted it, but because of the way I was used to doing things, it just felt uncomfortable. So I had to tell him, hey, I do, I don't want to fight you on this. I do want this. I really, really do. But it's just, it feels uncomfortable. I'm not used to having to ask someone before I spend money. I'm not used to having to ask someone, let's work things out and pay our bills together. I just did it on my own. And so, I wanted it so you can want something. You can recognize this is the area of your life that was not good or that you weren't trained. You can want it. You can acknowledge it. But until you on purpose make that change and make those adjustments, it's not going to do you any good. And as much as she wanted to do these things, just something as simple as us merging accounts made her uncomfortable because it was taking her outside of her past programming. And, and you know, I'm getting ahead of myself, but the only way for you to... For the only way for you to make this work is you have to lose yourself. That's the only way. The only way for you to do it is to say, okay, you know what? Nothing belongs to me. I am not even my own. That's, there's a reason why the scripture says when you get married, it says not even your body belongs to you anymore. And what happens is that we get with individuals and we're trying to get with an individual while still maintaining every single thing. It's two times you get born again, when you get saved and when you get married. You become one. You no longer own anything. And if you can't lose, and and watch this, it's such a mind game because the degree that you do that, it'll cause the other individual to do that. But if you if you waiting on the other individual, well, I'll do right. That's the worst thing you can do. I'll do right when they do right. right. You know, I I I have to admit, every single person in this room, you should go see that movie, War Room. Um, Excellent movie. Excellent, excellent, excellent movie. You know, Um, just I mean, you should go see it. I mean, we you know. a person blessed us with tickets. We went to the lake show on Wednesday night, and it was so good that you know we're going to take our kids today. Um, and um, is that is that just just the principle of it? You know, now granted, it gives you more of a situation that happened faster, but the principle of it it just shows you what is possible, and it's not always easy. You know, this one here is very important. Then we'll give you some scripture. As a child, oh. As a child, you heard your single mother talk about how no good men are, and it programmed you to draw into your life no good men. You're listening to your mother say that, okay? You're listening to your mother say that. You're listening to your mother say that. And then if you grew up in an environment where you saw your single mom, you saw a guy there one month, then he gone. See another guy there for three months, he's gone. See another guy there for two years, he's gone. Well, you're being programmed to just let men in and out of your life real fast. Being programmed this way. Y'all a little silent, so I know it hurts, but you're going to be all right. Okay? You're being programmed this way. Okay? And then it's even worse for a guy. Oh, <laughs> I thought that was your microphone. Um, it's even worse for a guy because now you're in a household, and now um, there is no father figure there. There is no father figure there. So you never get used to as a, as a let, me, let me back up. Let me back up for a moment. I've learned through experience to do counseling quick, uh, issues very, very easy. And that is, they'll get married, everything is lovey-dovey. Oh, I can't wait to marry this man. Oh, I can't marry, wait to marry this woman. Ooh, I mean, just this, ooh, uh, just everything. Come back from the honeymoon, I'm at the house. Wait for it, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. Brrr, 
this marriage is hell. Can you please get me out of this situation? Y'all bring y'all behinds in. And, and this, now, when, when, a, when a guy says this, I immediately know what question to ask. Man, she won't do nothing I ask her. She fights me on everything. First question I ask, if I don't know them, is, ma'am, did you have a father in the household 100% of the time? No. There's the problem. You never grew up learning how to respond to a man tell you yes or no. You never grew up. My, my daughters do this right now. They'll come into the room. Now, I mess this. I mean, you know, brothers, we mess up sometimes. Ladies, y'all do too. They'll come in the room. Who, daddy, daddy, daddy. You know, this happened today. Boom, boom. You know, we planted a flower, you know, and, and it was had yellow petals and everything. And then we called each petal, you know, with a different color pretzel. And, and if I don't respond right, they just leave out the room. And they're like, I'm, you know, I'll say something, but, but after they leave, I can tell. Apparently, I didn't respond the way they wanted me to respond to mine. But guess what, y'all? You know what's good about that? They get used to not always getting the right response from a man. So when they get married and their husband does not respond that way, they're not going to go into depression. You know why? They already, this is sound crazy. They're already programmed, well, my daddy did this sometimes, so I expect you to do it sometimes, too. Y'all see how the programming can mess you up? Now... No, you, so, so I always ask, so the, the woman, she never got a chance to hear a, a man in her life tell her no, tell her yes. She never got a chance to see her father leaving his socks around the house. She never got a chance to see any of this. So now she marries this guy, she goes into culture shock. That was me. That was, that was me. That was just straight me. I just culture shock. Like this really happens. I'm thinking, you know, marriage is like the Hollywood. What you see in a movie It's like, oh, it's just this fairy, fairy tale and lovey-dovey and, oh, this is the way it is. And it can be, but you have to yeah, work at it. it. And, and, no, I was, no, I was about to interrupt you. Go ahead. I was saying you have to work at it. I mean, you really have to work at it. And it can be heaven on earth, but it is work. And that's the part that you don't see in the movies. That's the part that no one tells you, that you have to work at it. Y'all, and y'all, it's, it's not work because your partner, let me say this. Let me back up. It's not work because your husband or wife is too difficult. It's work because both of you have past programming. And if nobody tells you this stuff, you'll lose it. You will literally lose it. You want to choke the individual. I can't tell you how many death threats I done got over folk that have been married for three months. I mean, I done got a lot of death threats. I'm about to kill this fool. And they send it to me in a text. I'm like, don't kill the man. You know the funniest ones? Are the ones who will send me a text and they will tell me, this marriage is straight up hell. Before I call them back, they on Facebook hugged up again because they made up. <laughs> so I've learned to wait. When they come to newlyweds, they send me them crazy texts, wait about two days and then call them back and you don't have to do no counseling because they made up. Okay? So it's worse now in regards to men. You grow up and you do not have a father figure in your house. Not only do you not know how to respond to a woman, you also don't know how to respond to God. Because natural parents are supposed to teach you how to respond to God. So if you have a father who was not there, it's going to be real hard for some men to think that God will be there. If you had a father that was there, but he's not really concerned about you in intimate ways, you're going to think that God is there, but he's not really concerned about intimate details of your life either. If you have a God father who was there, but he's too hard and judgmental, you're going to believe God exists, but you're going to also think God is too hard and judgmental. And that's the reason why that scripture says you must renew your mind to transform yourself out of that past programming so that you can become what you were born to be, but your parents messed it up.
But if you're not in the word, you can't expect your mind to be renewed. Or it's going to be renewed with something else. This trash on TV, this stuff your girlfriend's talking about, this stuff the men are talking about. It won't be renewed with the right things. And the right thing is the word. Because the word is what's going to give you life. It's going to change your life and help you be a blessing to somebody else. And, and turn over to Genesis chapter 15. We'll do these. And, and this is important. And let, me, and let me add this right now. This is the reason why, okay, why God gives us so many different helps. We are all born with handicaps. Okay? All of us have handicaps. And, depend, and some of us have more handicaps than others. Some of our handicaps are bigger than others, depending on your home environment. When we went into the marriage, okay, she had a huge amount of handicaps, much more than me. Okay, but now, you know, when people meet us for the first time, they think she's the one who came from squeaky clean. I'm the one who had the handicaps. <laughs> But it just shows you the power of God's grace if you commit to it. She has one of the most powerful to me. I love hearing about testimonies about how people got saved and how her father was, well, her father was crazy. That dude was on another level of crazy. And when he gave his life to Christ, you know, he was the one who was instrumental in his, her mother getting saved. Um, I mean, he was so hard for the devil when he switched. Dude would do 40-day fast. At the drop of a dime, and he was hard for Christ. And but she saw that at 18. When she saw her father change, she was like, Now I knew how this man was. So if the Lord could change this man, transform him into this, from this to that, she said, She said on the porch and was like, Lord, what in the world could you do with my life if I gave it to you right now? And that's how she got saved. You know. Um, what was I talking about before that? You're like, no, I don't know the story was good though. I'm sorry, I just messed up my own story. <laughs> oh, I was saying we have handicaps, but, but in Christ, those handicaps are lost. Okay, they know you have a handicap. That's why they say we gave you a new mind that can be renewed. We know you had a handicap. You know, that's why we gave you the word that can change you into something else. We know you had a handicap. That's why we gave you the Holy Spirit. That's why the Holy Spirit is a helper. He helps you get rid of the past programming. You nut up and act a fool in the Holy Spirit. If you go back in the prayer, will say you did this because of this. I never will forget. It was years before I shared this with my wife. Years. Because sometimes when the Holy Spirit helps you, you didn't really want that help. I never will forget something. I, I'll never forget this. You know, and this is true in a lot of cases, not always, but it's true in a lot of cases. I never will forget, you know, my wife and I, we were having some issue or whatever. And I never will forget this as long as I live. The Holy Spirit says, whatever issues you think you have out of your wife, we having the same issues out of you. And if you will correct the issues we have with you, you'll never have to say anything to your wife. Brothers, that's one of them rebukes that you just keep to yourself for a little while. <laughs> You don't want the wife to even know this so that this can be used against you. Well, the reason I'm acting a fool is because you acting a fool. I didn't want to hear that. Okay. So it was years. I don't know. It was like maybe two or three years before I shared that with her. I had to be ready to share that with her. I had to be on another level of humility to share that with her because I didn't want that to come up. Okay. But I'm just letting you know about how, see, this is what I mean by all of my attention was focused on well, Lorana ain't doing. Well, Lorana ain't doing. What she isn't doing here and what she isn't doing, boom, 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 boom. And, 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 and it wasn't even her fault. <laughs> it was me. And I practiced that. I practiced that. Okay? The things, I would get on top of certain things, and y'all, it wouldn't be months. Mysteriously, when I would get on top of certain things, mysteriously, she would just come to me and say, you know what? You know, Lord, just been dealing with me about such and such, and I need to get on top of such and such. And I'd be like, this is crazy right here. <laughs> 
Genesis chapter 15. So you got handicaps, but that's why he gave you the Holy Spirit that we sometimes don't use. He gave us the word of God. He gives you angels. He gives you teachings. He sends people across your path. Let's look at Abraham, because once again, the thing that has been, whatever you're doing right now, we can see it in Scripture. Genesis 15, 1 through 6. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am a shield to you. Now, remember this. First thing God deals with with Abram is his fear, because his fear is going to make him do certain things. He's programmed with it. Your reward shall be very great. Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless? And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. Abram said, since you have given no offspring to me, the one that is born in my house will be my ear, my heir, like my employer slave. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, this man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body. He shall be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look toward the heavens and count the stars. And if you are able to count them, he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Then he believed in the Lord and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. Now, let me explain something that happened here. This happens to newer believers, new people that are saved, new Christians. They have an experience with God in the beginning. And he tells them and shows them some type of way. I am for you. I am on your side. You'll even get a vision of your future and God will confirm I am your father and I will bless you. Problem. You don't have past programming that lets you hold on to that word. So God can tell you something in the beginning, but you don't have a program past of victory of the Lord's doing stuff. So it's easy for you to lose that. How many, you know, we just read God told Abraham, do not be concerned about the fact that you don't have a child. He said, I'm going to give you a child and it will come forth from your own body, your own seed. And he said, if you can count the stars of heaven, you'll be able to count your children. How many of you believe that's a strong promise from God? Let's see what Abraham did. Genesis chapter 12. I'm sorry, verse 16. Genesis 16, verse 1 through 5. Now, Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. So as Sarah said to Abram, now behold, here comes some bad advice. The Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps, everybody say perhaps. Perhaps. Speculation will always get you in trouble. Perhaps, this is what God means. Perhaps I will obtain children through her. That's not what God said though. How many, we we always compromise when a certain amount of time has gone by. Perhaps I'll attain children through her. And Abraham, being a great man of faith and power, said, Woman, how dare you tell me to disobey God? Woman, how dare you to tell me to get with this new young tenderoni? Woman, how dare you make me disobey the voice of God? Don't you know that I'm a man of God and God promised me more children than the stars? Nope. The next verse says Abraham listened to his wife without hesitation. I'm going to tell you right now, if the Lord said we're going to have a baby, I'm not going to send him out to somebody else to have a baby. It's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. When your trust is not in God, you do crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. How many of you knew that you were supposed to do this over here, but too much time passed Mm -hmm. and you came up with this crazy compromise and you still paying for it today? They didn't want to lift their hands, but I'll lift it for you. Still paying for it. Jumping jacks. You still paying for it today. Start doing some. I'm going to do a break dance up here one time. Okay. See now. I'm sorry. And Abraham listened to the voice of his wife 
Abraham lived 10 years in the land of Canaan. Abram's wife, Sarah, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her maid, and gave her to her husband, Abram, as his wife. This no, is crazy. not going to happen. <laughs> One thing for you to go into her, your wife. Here she is right here. He didn't fight this at all, did he? He went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her sight. Sarah said to Abraham, now she's going to blame it on him. May the wrong done me be upon you. I gave my maid in your, into your arms. But when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her sight. May the Lord judge. Now we want to bring the Lord into it. May the Lord judge between me and you. That's how people do it. They bring the Lord into it. Okay. She came up with this crazy idea. Too much time had passed before they saw God's promise. The same way too much time can pass before that husband comes across your path or that wife comes across your path. Well, I know the Lord said he would give me the desires of my heart, but it must not be. So I'm going to go ahead and take Slick Willie into my house. <laughs> Slick Willie been messed up your life ever since. Took all your money and ran to Mexico. Okay. And left you with a baby. Yep. And this situation right here, okay, this situation right here is uh, she came up with this dumb idea. And Abraham listened to the dumb idea. Two dummies listening to a dumb idea. <laughs> This little slave girl gets pregnant, and then she got really prideful. You know what she said? Mm. This is what she literally said. I got your husband's baby. So I'm the one that should be his wife, and you need to move over to the side. Okay? See all of this drama? And guess what, y'all? That baby's name was called Ishmael. Would you like to know who the descendants of Ishmael are today? What we call Arabs. And Ishmael, the same way you saw it in the beginning, where the, the, the wife of Abraham fought, began to fight the wife. I mean, the girl, y'all know who this girl is, the, the, the mother of Ishmael. And the Jews and the Arabs have been fighting ever since. That one mistake caused us to watch CNN. There's not a day that CNN comes on and we don't see something going down in the Middle East. To, you know, now, now we have sat up here. I just... <sighs> We have sat up here and signed a deal with a nation. Y'all, it ain't even about the, the nuclear thing. It's about giving them all this money. Going to give these people billions of dollars to now support terrorism. After we sign the deal, the dude gets on TV and then disses America and Israel. He said, give us 25 years and Israel will no longer exist. Get right on TV. And we sitting up there, yes, we believed it. This is a peace deal, okay. All righty. So you see how this happens. This is emotional drama because of programming. Now let's look at something else. Romans, I mean, Genesis chapter 12. We'll read this quickly. Genesis 12, 10 through 14. Abraham acting a fool again. Now there was a famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. Came about when he came near to Egypt that he said to Sarah, his wife, now look, I know that you are a beautiful woman. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife and they will kill me, but they will let you live. So please say that you are my sister so that it may, be, it may go well with me because of you. Ain't nothing worse than a brother using his wife and his woman to get out of Dodge and that I may live on account of you came about when Abram came into Egypt. The Egyptians saw the woman, and she was very beautiful. How many know? See, this proves once again, the guy could call you to do something great in the beginning, but he won't give you great manifestation because in the beginning, you're still crazy. 
God does not wait for you to get rid of your craziness before he tells you and shows you what he's called you to do. This is the problem, though. Don't ever assume that when God promotes you that you got it all together. It just means that he trusts you enough not to tear up the assignment while you're still working on yourself in this new promotion. Abraham goes here. Now, this man is afraid. He didn't have sex with a woman he's not married to, didn't produce another child. Now they go into the city. And what is he doing? He's lying. Now, now, now look, you know, look, woman. <laughs> Brothers cracked me up to call my wife woman. Look, woman. When you go in here, you fine. You find it in wine before it's time. I have no idea where that came from, Marche. Just disregard it. Fine. When you go in here, they're going to kill me. Now, what about what God said about you having this baby? See how you just disregarding this? The Lord told you you have a baby. No, they're going to kill me. Lord, did you wrong? And man, these people, when they see my wife, boom, okay, they're going to kill me. Now, I want you to keep in mind, all the time he's doing this, his kids are listening. They're being programmed. Let's look at Abram do it again. In Genesis chapter 20, verse 13, Abram journeyed from there toward the land of Negev and settled between Kadesh and Shur. Then he showed Jordan and Gerar. Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. So Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream of the night and said unto him, You are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is married. The deep part is Abraham keep messing up and God is protecting his foolishness. So here we got a second time. Now, we don't know how many times this happened. Okay. But Abraham, when he go, Abraham has a pattern of fear. That past programming of fear causes him to, when he get in certain situations, his emotions snap and he does stupid stuff. So whenever he has a habit of, whenever he goes into a city, he gets to thinking in his mind that his wife is so fine, they are going to kill me and take my wife. How many of you know the name of Abraham's son? What was Abraham's son's name? Isaac. Genesis 26, verse 6 through 7. <laughs> so Isaac lived in Gerar. When the men of that place asked about his wife, he said, she is my sister. <laughs> For he was what? Afraid to say my wife, thinking the men of the place might kill me on account of Rebecca. But she is fine. It is crazy. I'm just showing you how programming works. Two things that the scripture says about Abraham. He was afraid and he lied about his wife. Then when we fast forward and see his son, what does it say about his son? He was afraid and he lied about his wife. So everything apart, I should say everything, all of the good parts about you and the bad parts about you have come from past programming. And this is the deep part. Some people grow up with excellent programming, but they let one individual into their life that reprograms them and messes them up forever, particularly a man. Okay, nothing worse than a you can You can come from an excellent family background, and you let the wrong dude into your life, you let the wrong woman into your life, and, and you stay with them for six, seven years, and all of that time they reprogramming you, reprogramming you, reprogramming you, and when you finally do let them go, you will then carry on bad relationships because you were reprogrammed. I have a girlfriend who had a great personality, real fun-loving, you know, helpful, sweet, kind, mm -hmm. got with the wrong man. And for years and years, he was an individual who was extremely verbally abusive. He didn't put his hands on her, but he was extremely verbally and emotionally abusive. So she went from a very happy individual, always smiling, always loving, always kind, to always looking depressed, to always being depressed, always being, I mean, just constant sadness. 
And when people would see her, I mean, you just saw a heaviness on this girl. No matter how much makeup she had on or how well-dressed she was, you could still see this heaviness on this girl. She divorces the guy. Now she's back. She's back again. So she's back in the Word, back in church, and she's back to what she used to be. But because she allowed this man to come into her life, because of her brokenness, she let him in. Then she allowed him to stay in her life when he should have been long gone. But she just could not be the thought of having a divorce, thought she was a failure, and she wanted to try to work it out. When there was never any work in, work in this situation, it was never going to work out. He was, he was not willing to change himself, so it was never going to work. No matter how much she prayed, no matter how much she was in the Word, it was never going to work because he was not willing to change. And I can go on, we, I mean, we might have to do a part two. I can go on, on and on and on about different scenarios of your past. You can be an individual who, as a woman, you never saw your mother get the man that she deserved. And as a result of you seeing that, it'll make you hang on to men that you, that are way past who you, you know what I'm saying? They're not healthy. They're not healthy for you at all. And you're doing that because of past programming. And that's why if you're an individual, if you can't get in the word, let's look at that. Let's go ahead and close this down. Look at this. Philippians chapter four, verse six. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Let me say this. Back to this, what we were saying about what I was talking about earlier, about laziness and how Christians are just treat the things of God. We just, so like we, we just a picnic now, you know? It's just a picnic. People just treat the things of God like a, just a picnic. And let me say this. You are the one that is responsible for your programming. You are the one that is responsible for your life. You are the one that is responsible uh, for getting before God on purpose every single day to work this stuff out of you and to work the new in. You cannot read a Bible verse every once in a while and throw up a scripture every once in a while. You can't never get on the prayer call or never be in the house of God for prayer and then expect God to do all these wonderful miracles. What you're saying is, Lord, I'll stay stuck on stuck for the rest of my life. And, and what happens is, is that people keep blaming everything. God, we need you to do. God is like, I ain't doing nothing. It's on you. We gave you every single thing. We gave you the word. We told you to meditate the word day and night. We told you to pray on a regular basis. We told you to ask us questions. Beg the Holy Spirit. Give me wisdom. You have to work this stuff out. You got to be before God's face. You know, it's amazing. We know how to do this. We're working out. You know, I mean, but this, this is how this looks. Okay. You want to lose 150 pounds. And I, I was at the park the other day. You know, and I can't, I can't stand this type of stuff. You know, if you're going to work out, work out. Okay, when you work out, work out like you're fighting the devil. You know, don't be at the treadmill reading a book. You know, there's a lady walked past me at the park. I'm out there getting it in. I'm running, sweating, stanking everything. This woman walked past me just like this walking. I wanted to say, I just want to, you know what I wanted to do. Give me that book. <laughs> Get to running. But see, this is how this looks. I mean, this, this, this is the sad part. We'll, 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 you know, you get two individuals. Both need to lose 150 pounds. She goes to the gym, and she's getting it in two hours a day without fail. May fail sometimes, yeah. She may eat a whole pizza because she laps and ate some ribs and all that type of stuff. She gets back up, goes to the gym. She has ups and downs, but she is consistently trying. She stops making excuses. I'm going to do this. 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 Meanwhile, even with the ups and downs, she's starting to get a result. Me, I'm just using this as an example, I'm sitting up here visiting the gym every once in a while like this is some museum. Visiting the gym. <laughs> oh, this is nice. You get on the treadmill, you just kind of half do something. Get on the elliptical machine, you're reading a book, or then you go and answer a phone call. This is one dude every single time I'm at the gym. He is talking and texting, not getting his workout in. You know, and some people, they just live at the gym like it's a social club. Now, watch this. After about six months, 
she's going to see a result that I won't see. And what will happen is, not only will I not have the result, now I'll be jealous of her and say, well, you know, she just got special genes. I'm big, we say stupid stuff, I'm big boned. I got a special five-year-old problem. No, no, no. Okay, that can be, you know, sometimes you do have isolated cases like that. No, it's an issue of one person puts in the work and the other individual doesn't. And it's the same thing spiritually. You have an individual that will put in the work of prayer time. I am not, we do not operate this way, y'all, because we are called. Most preachers are raggedy. This has nothing to do with preaching. Most preachers do not have victory when it comes to their own personal marriages. That's why most marriages at churches aren't torn up, because you can't reduplicate something that you're not walking in. Okay, most, y'all know that 82% of pastors in America live underneath the poverty level? So you don't become blessed because you're a pastor. Whatever craziness you got on going in your personal life is going to come right across this pulpit, through this microphone, out the speakers, right into your heart. Okay, they, 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 oh, let me say this last thing. They, they, it, it, always remember the law of who you are. You can take a church, you can take a man that's been pastoring the church for 10 years. It has to be a longer amount of time because in the beginning you don't move fast. Okay, you can, you can pastor a church for 10 years with 300 members. 10 years. You then take that pastor and put him over a church that has 10,000 members. And within three years, that 10,000 membership will be back down to 300. So this is a real-life example of a pastor that's uh, pastoring a mega church in North Carolina, I believe, and he had to stand up before his congregation. And I'm not sure how much wisdom it was in this, but he did it. I mean, before the whole world told everybody that his wife had been having an affair, living a double life, mm-hmm. and that she had been committed to some kind of uh, program. He didn't say for what specific. I believe she was just invited all these demons into her life, and she really needed deliverance. That's what I believe. But they put her in some kind of treatment program because she had been living this double life. First lady, big mega church. It grew very rapidly, and maybe she couldn't take the pressure. Maybe she wasn't praying. Maybe she wasn't communicating with her husband. Maybe he was too driven. I don't know where the breakdown was exactly, but he told the whole world, this is what my wife had been doing, and that's why I got to apologize because your marriages are tore up because what we've been doing in secret. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're up here having this marriage conference, and we're up here promoting this, and she living in sin. So that's why I believe he felt compelled to share, and then he said he's going to get a divorce. Had all the pastors supporting him. Well, then his wife gets restored. She gets the help she needs, and he brings her back. I'm not getting a divorce. I love this woman. I've only loved this woman, and I want my marriage to work. I'm bringing her back, and so they all forgave her, and they're, I guess, apparently back on track. I'm not sure because I'm not, I don't have, you know, not that close to the situation. I'm just sharing what he shared in public. And so he had to apologize to his congregation. Things are going on with you all. It's not working with you all, in part because it wasn't working with us for many, 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 many years. And what we did in secret has affected you guys. So that was the one thing I wanted to share. The second thing I wanted to share is that a couple of years ago, I was dealing with something and I wasn't exactly sure what the answer was, how to get the deliverance or how to get the answer, how to fix it. I wasn't exactly sure what it was, even the root of it. And so I'm praying and praying and asking God, you know, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Help me, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus. I'm in the Word. I don't know what to do. And every time I would pray, the only thing he would show me is a 4 and an a.m., I would pray. He would show me the 4 and the 8. I'm like, Lord, please help. That's all I saw. So I got the hint. Okay, in order to get my deliverance and to get my answer, I must get up and get on my face at 4 Mm a.m. And I must show him that I want this so bad that I will resist sleep. 
I would get I resist cold because it's cold. And you all snuggling and warm in the bed. You don't want to get out to bed at four o'clock in the morning. So what I would do, I would get back three forty-five. I don't want to go to the Lord. My breath stinking, hair all messed up, face all crusty. I would get back three forty-five, brush my teeth, wash my face, comb my hair. I would go into my closet, take my iPad, my pen and paper, my music. I have all my materials, and I would sit there and pray. At starting at four o'clock, I would sit there and pray, and I would have all my things there in case He wanted to speak. And I would sit there and pray. I mean, I did this for a week. After a week, after when finally he spoke and I got the deliverance that I needed, but I would go from 4 a.m. to 6 a.m., then jump on the prayer call at 6 a.m. So by 7 a.m., I've gotten three hours of word time and prayer time. But I wanted it just that bad. But what if I said, I ain't doing that? Four o'clock in the morning, you know I love sleep. You know I'm up at late. You know, I got six kids. I mean, what if I made excuses? Lord, you know I need nine hours of sleep every night. I can't get up at four. Well, then, then you stay in the state that you're in. Don't get your deliverance. Don't get your answer. Don't get the peace you need because you refuse to be disciplined enough to get your lazy behind out the bed and come seek me, come spend time with me so I can download my secrets, so I can tell you what you need to hear. And the thing is, he's not withholding from you because he didn't want you to know, but how willing, how willing are you to seek the Lord and go and get it? He said, if you seek, then you will find. But if you don't want to seek it, then guess what? It will remain hidden. Yeah. You, didn't want it bad. you didn't want to know bad enough. It's going to remain hidden. And the answer was there for you all along. It was there, available. But you didn't want to go get it. Oh, and the scripture says, it is the glory of God to conceal a thing. And it is the honor of kings to search out what he is concealing. That people, we don't understand the honor that comes when God says, I've hidden these things not from you. I hid them for you. It was like an Easter egg hunt, okay? And, 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 and God hates the fact that we did everything. Y'all understand, the kingdom of God is not a slow kingdom, okay? You know, God is not, he's never late. He's never lazy. He does not sleep. He doesn't, and so that's why the angels are still confused. They're like, what is man that you're so mindful of him? Because he just does everything that he want to do. He does, we put the cart before the horse. We, put, we make the major things minimum and the minimum things major, I mean, it's just crazy. We won't get up, spend two hours with God, but then we'll come home and watch three hours of television. It's just crazy. I don't, you know, and I know sometimes this hurts, but you know what? It, we can, you know what we can do as pastors? We can either just coddle you all and keep coming to this stuff. Yes, I can't stand these sermons. Yes, God is getting ready to do it. Slap, slap five people and tell them that favor is on its way. No, it's not. Favor been locked up for centuries. I can't stand those type of messages. And it's the same message over and over. Slap five people. And you see it on Facebook and you see the messages. Everybody, that whole thing of, you know, touch three people and tell them God is good. And five people and, and the glory is coming and the, and, the, and the prosperity. And God is going to give it his eyes and heart. Y'all been preaching this for the last 30 years. You know why? They will not tell you the truth because they think if they tell you the truth, you're going to leave their church. Because guess what? Some people do. But I don't handle church. So if people leave me. You left the Lord. You didn't leave me because I don't have no church. It's a wonderful freedom, y'all, to not have nothing. Lord said, he said, this is my church. I'll build it. And the gates of hell should not prevail against what I do. But if you build your church, you left on your own. We'll see how much you can handle the gates of hell. So, you know, they, <laughs> what Tupac say, man? Never mind. Why are you quoting Tupac? <laughs> What's that? I'm going to go ahead and say What's that term, Tupac. The end of it is, but my soldiers... Eternal something. It's a saying. Something goes and comes while our soldiers remain eternal. Let's just stick with the word, brother. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. 
<laughs> I just stop. Let's read these three scriptures and get out of here. We, I think we're going to have to do a part two with this. We want to at least give you the three scriptures to practice. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It says, do not be anxious about anything. When you are anxious, a lot of that comes from past programming. My wife will tell you, I am extremely calm no matter what the situation is. Okay? When they called me, when the hospital called me, this is when we were dating, she had been in a rollover accident on the freeway, and they had to rush her to emergency. I think a bus hit you on the freeway or something, or 18. Armored car. Armor car. You should have got the money while you were down. Okay. <laughs> armor car hit her. I didn't, it was an armor car? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Armor car hit her, and it flipped the car over and everything. She had to take her to the hospital. Believe and so when they called me, I was just as calm as long as somebody told me, you know, hey, the plan has landed. You know, you got to go pick up your sister because I've, I never panic. But the reason I don't I don't panic is not because I'm some super room. It's because I never saw my father panic ever. Never saw him panic one single time. OK. And so being anxious, if my father was an individual that lost it over everything, it'd be programming me to lose it over everything. Okay. And, then, and, then, and then here it goes. Now, he's a calm individual, never panics. So no matter what situation, no matter how bad, never panics. So when it looks like he's having a heart attack and I'm pregnant, got two babies sleeping, I don't panic. I just calmly speak the word over him. I calmly take authority over whatever's happening to his body. I don't panic. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What do I do? What do I do? So, so he thanked me the next morning. He said, thank you for not panicking. Thank you for not panicking. Thank you just for taking care of me and not panicking. And, and, if the, and, if, and, and in order for the Lord to teach you how to keep calm, guess what he has to do? Throw you in trouble. Throw you in trouble. And we don't like, Lord, no, I don't want no trouble, Lord. Mm-hmm, I don't want no trouble. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, he said, okay, well, then you have to stay a midget. You can't grow. Yeah. <laughs> don't be anxious about anything. <laughs> but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And watch this. The peace of God, which passes all comprehension will guard your hearts and minds. Can you imagine? Can you imagine you spending time in prayer and your personal bodyguard is a force called peace that will not allow certain things to come into your mind and heart for you to lose it and tap into that past programming. That's why the devil loves for you to not spend time in prayer because he knows that to the degree that you do not spend time in prayer will be the degree that you will be held captive to your past programming. Because the more time you spend in prayer, that peace will come around you. Certain things will go down. And you, and you ever been in a situation after you were saved and when it went down, it blew your own mind that you didn't lose it? Yeah, that was the peace of God as yeah, your personal bodyguard. It would not let the past programming kick in. I got a good example of that. I remember my past, right? Miss Violent, right? Okay. So, I talked to a woman at church. She brings accusations against another woman. And she wants to just drop it. No, we won't drop it. Because if she had brought accusations against you, then I would want to resolve it. So no, we're not going to drop it. We're going to talk about it and find out why you said X, Y, Z, why you're carrying yourself this way, blah, 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 blah. In the course of the conversation, I remain calm. She's becoming more inflamed, more agitated, and more belligerent with me. I'm being nice. I'm being kind. I'm being sweet, trying to get information from her and discussing is it possible you could have seen the situation wrong? Is it possible da 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 No, it's not possible. She's getting loud. Like, wait, wait, wait. Hold up now. Don't yell at me. Don't yell at me. Stop yelling. I'm not yelling. I mean, and she's going on and on. I said, okay, all right. I said, well, guess what? We, don't need, we, we can't talk any further. There's nothing else to talk about because it's obvious, X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. You don't, wanna, you don't want to resolve anything. You want to argue and debate. We're not going to do that. So we hang up the phone. 
I looked at him and said, oh, Jesus, I just passed the test. I passed the test. Thank you, Lord. I have changed. I have matured. I have grown. Thank you, Jesus. And I felt so good. Sometimes we get so agitated. We, we got to say what we got to say. We got to speak our peace so we can feel good about ourselves. But it's much more powerful to hold that, to hold that, and to allow God to minister to you. And then you can say, I passed the test. Thank you, Lord. I have grown. I have matured. 20 years ago, I would have got with that chick. But thank you, Jesus. I'm not that woman anymore. I'm not her. And I wasn't even mildly tempted to go there with her. I just sat there like, wow, really? Really? You really going to talk to me this way? And I just said, thank you, Lord. Thank you. One of the signs you can tell when somebody is holding in, I always watch this in public. You know, you get somebody, you, you're at Chick-fil-A. And as a customer that's being rude and belligerent to the person that is serving the food, one of the ways you can tell they're hurting it in is they start, they start laughing a little bit. <laughs> that's, that's, that's cold of, I'm holding it together. Now, now, now if the other side come out, you're going to be crying. <laughs> you don't want to see the Hulk. <laughs> yeah. All right, we're going to read this because we, 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 we can't finish this. We're just going to read these. Galatians 5, 16 through 21. It says, I say, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh based on past programming. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. They fight for these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you're led by the spirit, you are not on the law. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, okay, enemies, strife, jealousy, Outburst of anger, dispute, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you, just as I forewarn you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, we're going we're gonna to go over these later. All of those things operating you based on past programming, and we're not even talking about the side of how the enemy comes into your life and manipulates it. Acts twenty thirty two. Now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Notice it said the word of God is able to build you up, build you up. You do not spend time in the word. You are refusing to build yourself up. Lord, I want to be a spiritual midget. And to the degree you don't spend time in the word will be the degree you'll be left to your past programming. You can see how these things work together. You have the help of the Holy Spirit. You're spending time in prayer. The peace becomes your bodyguard and the word builds you up. All of those things together begin a transformation process. Boom. Last scripture, second to the last. James 1, 19 through 21. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak. Some people can't do that because of past programming. Okay? In every relationship, there's an individual that is the master interrupter. You can't get a word in edgewise. Be slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your soul. Okay. When it talks about implanted, okay, you know, one of the reasons, one of the most difficult things for people to do with the word is understand that there's something invisible in it. 
An orange has vitamin C, but you cannot see the vitamin C. You cannot smell it. You cannot taste it. You cannot touch it, but it is there. The only purpose for eating an orange is the vitamin C. A banana has potassium. It is implanted in it or engrafted in it. You cannot see the potassium. You cannot smell it. You cannot touch it. Can't even see it necessarily under a microscope, but it is there. When you eat that banana, it is the invisible stuff that brings a benefit to your body. Same thing when it comes to water, okay? They tell you that when you drink water a certain amount a day, okay, which should be a minimum of 64 ounces, okay, but they tell you when that water goes into your body, it does this, it does that, drags waste out, refreshes all of your organs, makes your skin glow, your hair grow, everything, all the stuff that water does. You can't analyze that by just looking at this glass, yet when it goes in, it kicks in. You can't see the invisible, invisible benefits. The, the devil does a master job of making you not see the benefit of prayer time and word time. But see, the benefit of, I don't feel good, so I'm going to watch this stupid program on TV about everybody stabbing each other back and committing adultery, and then I'll feel refreshed and I can go to bed. That's the deception. And it feels good at first, but it catches up with you in a couple weeks. Mark 8, 35. So I will stop it here, and then we'll pick up again next week. How many of y'all were blessed by this? I know it was a harder one, but this is, you got to look at yourself. Okay, the only way for you to win is to lose. Mark 8, 35. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake in the gospel will save it. When it says uh, whoever tries to save it, save his life, it literally, one of the definitions is anyone who tries to preserve their past programming will lose out on what they really want in relationships. So when we got married, if I was determined to hang on to the way that I did things when I was single, I would have missed out on the blessing of the unity of marriage, of the oneness of me. I would have missed out on the oneness of the unity of the love I want him to give to me, then I should be willing to give to him. I would have lost out on that. And even though it felt uncomfortable sharing an account, asking or telling him when I'm spending money, it may have felt uncomfortable. I worked through it. I worked past it. And now it's not, it's not even... It's just an afterthought. I mean, we've been doing operating this way for 19 years. It's not even an issue. Yeah, so I just wanted to share those things with you. You know, we, we went a little bit further, you know, with the examples, but this is something that is personal responsibility. This is you getting up and you saying, first of all, you write down all of the stuff you know, okay? You start with the known, and then you'll be taking it into the unknown. Start with what you know. You know good and well you're crazy in some areas. You know good and well that you can't, you know, your spouse can't get two words in before you interrupt them. Some people, I know, forget I went on a, uh, uh, any hour I went on a date and you don't know why in the world you ever were possessed to go on a date with this individual. <laughs> on the first date, the girl was cutting me down. She asked me how much I made, and at that time it was 40000 She said, that ain't no money. And I was just like, I mean, the, the entire date was her cutting me down. And then she saw me at the gym, how come you didn't call me? I didn't even, I didn't answer. Uh, I almost said something. Okay. So you need to write down the errors that you know. Then guess what you need to do that is the most difficult thing for some people to do? You need to first ask your spouse, hey, let me ask you something. What would you say about me is stuff that is not good that I might have brought from my past into this relationship? If you're not married, guess you need to ask the people that are around you, your friends. Your friends will tell you. They'll tell you sometimes stuff that your spouse won't even tell you. Because they're not married to you. They say, oh, girl, you've been stank for the last 10 years. You know, I just, I just love you. That's the reason we love hanging out and all that type of stuff. But I'm not married to you, so I ain't got to deal with this. And wake up in the bed next to you. They'll tell you. And it'll be hard to hear that. But always remember this. Whatever it is that you are unwilling to hear, 
it is still true and everybody knows it except you. See how we, but see, it's the lack of transparency in the body of Christ that causes us to try to, we think that because we hide this stuff, that's what makes us strong. It's what makes you weak. Just, you know, my wife just told me something day before yesterday, and it made me feel this way, but I've learned because I feel this small, it doesn't mean I am this small. But listen, she, I didn't say it disrespectfully. No, no, she didn't say it that the way. The Bible says to say things. No, huh? no, 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 never mind. Go ahead. The Bible says to, to speak the truth in love, to speak the truth in love. And so as a spouse, you have a responsibility to share certain things that might not feel good with your spouse. But there's a way to say it. It's the right words to use. Now, you don't you have to be sugarcoating everything. You have to speak the truth. But there's a way to speak the truth in love. Amen. And it wasn't, it wasn't even about her. So it was just... It's just, it's just, there's some things you can hear about yourself and it just frustrates you because you want to do right. And for me, is I have, for me, I have to constantly be put in check because of how much I have. You know, I mean, I have, I'm married and so I got to please the wife. Then I have six kids and just the girls, each one of them is completely different. I mean, completely different. I said, no, I got my guy. I'm trying to adjust myself and keep up with all of this emotionalism. And then I got my two sons, Mr. Swag, so you know who Mr. Cool, good that is, and, and all that type of stuff. And then the stuff at the school, private school, homeschool, then the church here, then the church there, stuff the Lord is telling me, my own personal. And so it's very easy for me to lose focus about a situation over here. So the only way for me to stay successful is I, I have a constant reminder. People are always telling me, watch this, watch this, watch this. I said something in the service Wednesday night. You know, and, and one of the people uh, here sent me a message. Hey, you said this and it was funny, but I really don't think that you should put that in there. So I listened, took it out. So you got to, you know, I'm, I'm tired of this thing of people trying to hold themselves accountable to pastors, but pastors won't hold themselves accountable to people. It's crazy. Nonsense has to stop. So let's go ahead and stand, y'all. Our kids keep picking in the doorway. I wonder, is that way of telling us, uh, we were supposed to go to the movies? Y'all can't see this. Our kids keep picking run. Sometimes we don't tell our kids what we're going to do because they will. Is the service over with yet? All right, glory to God. Go ahead and lift your hands. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Blessed be your holy name, O oh God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Lift your hands. Ask God for grace. Thank you, Lord God, for grace in the name of Jesus Christ. Give us wisdom. Open up our eyes. We thank you that you have given us the Holy Spirit as our comforter. He is the one who helps us. He leads us and guides us into all truth, oh Lord God. And we know that many a times, even the past programming in church that will not allow us to see the truth about ourselves. We know, oh Father God, that even that past programming from other religious circles and other churches, oh Lord God, that operated in pride won't even let us move forward in this area. So we ask, oh Father God, that you give us the strength to let go. We ask that you give us the strength to lose ourselves. You give us the strength to hear the truth about ourselves. Those things that were put in us that were not even as a result of us. Programming from our parents, programming from our cousins, programming from our grandmothers, even our brothers and sisters, programming from what teachers told us in the school, programming from what pastors told us, oh Lord God, things that you would have never told us, but we believed it and it was programmed into us. So we thank you, oh Lord God, that we, you will give us grace and you will give us insight. You will show us the things, oh Lord God, that are causing
causing us to behave improperly. Show us the things, oh Father God, that are causing us to accept people into our life that are lower than what you have given us. Give us the patience and help us, oh Lord God, to be long-suffering, to wait on that thing that you have for us, oh Lord God. We thank you that as a result of us opening up this part of this series, that many, oh Lord God, will begin to change and see themselves, oh Lord God. We thank you that you have made us to be formed into the image of Jesus Christ. We thank you, oh Lord God. So I pray for every single person here that the Holy Spirit will reveal it unto them. Those who have a desire to see it, you will show it to them. Those who seek you, they will find. We thank you that the enemy, oh Lord God, will lose even the programming that you put in us in the midnight hour. We know that the devil came in and told us things on top of what our parents told us. Told us things based on certain experience. We were sitting in the dark, oh Lord God, and he began to download programming into us about ourselves and how valuable we are not. Thank you, Father God, that you are changing that on today. Thank you, Lord God. Right now, that grace, great grace is upon your people. Thank you, Lord God, that we will be some of the most wonderful people in this planet. Thank you, Lord God, that they will know us by our love. They will know us by our peace. They will know us by our joy. And we thank you, Lord God, that we will be the most wonderful representations of the kingdom of God, a place of perfect love and perfect peace. So we thank you, Lord God, for this. We praise you for it, God. In the name of Jesus Christ, go ahead and just lift your hands. Thank God for that. Thank God for giving you grace to become a better person. Thank God for getting rid of that past programming that prevents the best from coming unto you. The best person, if you're single, that should come unto you. The best opportunities, if you're in business. The best clients. The best ministry opportunities. There are some things that the Lord cannot let you go into unless you get rid of past programming. So we thank you, Lord God, for it. Give us more patience. Thank you, Lord God, for grace. Thank you, Lord God. We'll see you on the Blessed be your holy name, God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be your holy name. Glory to God. spiritual power. It is only spiritual power that gets rid of past programming because the past programming invited demonic spirits to jump on that and they also teamed up with that negative information and bad behavior that was put on the inside of you and now they know, they know how it operates, they know how your emotions operate, they know exactly what will make you fall in sin, they know exactly what scenario will make you turn back to food, they know exactly which situations will make you accept somebody into your life that is not for you. They know exactly what will depress you, what will make you angry. They know exactly what scenario to create to make you withdrawn because they were there 
when you're being programmed this way. The Bible calls them familiar spirits. They know you more than you know yourself. And it's only as you stay in the word, stay in the word and practice what the word says, regardless of how it makes you feel. They will, you'll know that you're on the right track when you're getting ready to do something in the word and it is making you so uncomfortable to obey it making you so uncomfortable to forgive, so uncomfortable to live holy, so uncomfortable to reject Mr. Fine because in your heart you know he's not right, but your emotions want to attach yourself to him, okay? Sister Fine, whoever it is, okay? So you got to practice these things. This is not a message, ooh, voila, no. You drop this, it's brought to your attention. Grace is given now for you to practice it for the next week. And as you practice it, these things will be revealed to you. But if you're going to go home and just go right back, turn on the television, and I'm not talking about right after the service, you're just going to go right back home and do the same old thing. Well, you're not going to get in the Word, make excuses. Make excuses. You're not going to pray. You'll be right back to it again, and you'll stay frustrated, okay? There is a level, you all, where you never have to ask God for money again. It comes to you because of who you are, okay? This, when, this, when this next year gets here, her and I, our level of teaching goes from here to here. The Lord has given us some stuff. I just shared my, something with my wife yesterday. I said, does anybody even in the planet knows this? We know exactly what to tell people to the T to find out exactly what their destiny is to the T. That lack of teaching is not in the body of Christ. You know why? Because there are a lot of pastors that are not walking in their destiny. Matter of fact, most aren't. The Lord revealed that to Kenneth Hagin. He said very few ministers even get to the first phase of their ministry before they die. So if most can't get to the first phase, how are they going to show you what to do? There will be no revelation to show the people what to do because you don't have it to show yourself what to do. Glory. But I had to get rid of my past programming, Baptist and charismatic. I had to get rid of all of that and start over. Holy Spirit told me that word for some of you. He said, start studying the Bible that you've never been taught before and I'll start showing you things that you've never seen before. That's where half my revelation comes from. I don't base it on what other men say. I base it on what the Holy Ghost shows me. And if it means I reject everything that I've been taught, so be it. I'll walk in manifestation. Y'all stay stuck. <sighs> Jesus on the main line. <sighs> I don't know where this stuff comes from sometimes. <laughs> All right, just she said past programming. <laughs> uh, Wednesday night, we start singing that song. What was that song? Uh, um, uh, no, no, no. I'm glad to be in the service. I'm in the... Uh, uh, I'm a, I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. I started singing that, and Kim Savage almost lost it. She came from that. Yep, so, all right. Uh, my prayer service is this Saturday. I can't believe I got here this fast. Um, for you all that want to be a part of this, I am doing a three-day fast this week. We're going to do a three-day fast Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Going to the prayer service. I believe this one is strategic. Stay on your P's and Q's. Nothing may not happen in September. Everything may happen in September. You know, if nothing happens in September, be careful because this, this ain't about September. It's just that everything is converging in September, but everything converging could be something or it could be the beginning of something. But either way, pay attention. Yeah, something is coming. I know that. Okay, so prayer service next Saturday night at 6 o'clock. Um, in the future, that is going to turn into prayer and leadership. In the future, very soon, from 5 to 6, it will be a teaching for leaders. And it will not just be church. It will be church and business. From five to six, it'll be a session for leaders in the community, people, whatever. Anybody believe the call to ministry and business will do that, and then it'll go into the prayer service. Um, our men's Bible study will be starting soon on the Riverdale site. And like I told you before, I encourage all of you to go see that movie called The War Room. Um, it was a very, very uh, powerful movie. 
um, they, they're getting better and better at Christian uh, Christian movies. Don't judge Christian movies from a negative point of view. You don't have the money to do what they do. People don't know anything about movies. Okay, if you knew how much money it takes and all that type of stuff, you wouldn't judge it. But they do the best that they can with the money that they have. But they're getting better.